Hello and welcome to this week's Next Sense Institute podcast. My name is Trudy Smith. I'm the manager of Continuing Professional Education and your host for today. I'm so excited about the the person that I'm talking to today. Dr. Renee Punch is someone that I've known for a long time and held in such high regard for most of my career. A lot of her writing and the research that she's done has really influenced a lot of the work that we do as teachers of the deaf. And so Renee, welcome. So lovely to have you with us. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Sure, Trudy. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm an academic researcher, mainly in the area of people who are deaf or hard of hearing, uh, and particularly in the educational, psychosocial and vocational domains. Um, And my interest in the area was driven by bringing up my daughter, Simone, who was born with a severe to profound hearing loss. Um, And I know you know Simone Trudy, she's now an audiologist in Sydney. And while my children were young, I was doing an arts degree, studying lovely things like literature and history, um, but I became more drawn towards areas like disability studies and counselling, and I ended up doing postgraduate degrees in those areas. And in my work, I became involved in careers counselling. And that combined with my interest in young people with hearing loss, um, led me to do my PhD on the career decision-making of young people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And since then, I've done a lot of research and other work around the transition from school to post-school education and employment for young people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And we certainly do know Simone because she was one of our podcast guests back in March during Hearing Awareness Week and and really caused a stir in terms of her transition into university and becoming an audiologist. So your influence is powerful (laughs) for your daughter as well. And we are talking about post-school transition for adolescents today. So can you give us an insight into why the transition is so much harder for deaf and hard of hearing adolescents compared to their hearing peers? Well, leaving school and transitioning to a more adult stage of life is and can be a difficult period for any adolescent. Um, But for those who are deaf or hard of hearing, the transition can be more challenging. Um, And we know that this is something that parents worry about, and many of the young people themselves do too. Um, They're moving into a wider world where they are interacting with a much broader range of people who aren't likely to have much understanding of hearing loss. Moving away in some ways from all the people who did understand that in in school and in their families. Uh, During their school years, these children are provided with supports and accommodations on the initiative of of the schools and their parents. But after leaving school, they'll need to advocate on their own behalf um, to access supports or accommodations while they're at university, for example, or in the workplace. Uh, They need to develop the skills and knowledge and confidence to do this. And often students in mainstream school settings don't have access to the sort of targeted transition planning that addresses their hearing related issues or concerns. Um, And and generic career guidance for students in general is unlikely to be adequate for these adolescents. Yeah. What kind of barriers do the deaf and hard of hearing adolescents face in the workplace? Well, they are likely to face barriers in the workplace and in post-secondary education. And these can be environmental and structural, such as communicating in noisy workplaces or following what's said in workshops and meetings. They can be attitudinal, involving stigma or discrimination, um, or just a lack of understanding of hearing loss and its implications. And there's good research evidence as well for some very interesting studies that used physiological measures um, about the higher levels of fatigue and psychological stress that 
people with hearing loss suffer, well, um, experience in the workplace, um, more so than people without hearing loss. And, and that can add to those everyday challenges too. Um, and as you, as you know, Trudy, there are so many deaf and hard of hearing people who overcome barriers and achieve success in a wide variety of occupations and careers. But the challenges can be considerable. Um, and while young people who are deaf or hard of hearing are now attending post-secondary education at rates higher than in the past, there are still gaps between these rates and as, as well as employment rates compared to those of the general population. It's really important that students who are deaf or hard of hearing receive the best possible transition education, planning and supports while they're at high school if they're to achieve the best post-school outcomes that are possible for them. Absolutely. And that's why I've got you here today, because I know that you've been you've done a review of the literature about transition programs to try and find, you know, what are the, the parts of a targeted plan that would be worth um, including in, in this. And are you able to tell us some of the factors that, um, that exist in this plan that you recommend? Yes, sure. The, the transition plan or model was informed first by the research literature that provides evidence about what factors are associated with or are predictors of good post-school outcomes for young people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And these findings came from longitudinal data sets in the US. Um, unfortunately, there are no comparable studies that have been done in Australia. Post-school outcomes were attending and graduating from college or university. They were employment outcomes and they were more general outcomes um, such as independent living. And the factors were things that measured when the young people were still in high school. The ones that showed up as being particularly important for post-school outcomes included self-determination, social skills, parent expectations, involvement in extracurricular activities as well. And the studies that provided that evidence were all quantitative. So the findings came from large data sets of survey questions. Um, but as well, I examined all studies that have reported deaf or hard of hearing adults' perceptions about the factors and the personal qualities that helped them to succeed um, after they left school. And these studies are qualitative, so they're usually involving depth interviews, and they're smaller, but they provide a lot of rich detail and understanding. The adults in these studies emphasise the importance of having personal qualities such as persistence, self-advocacy skills, uh, being open about their hearing-related needs, um, proactively identifying and managing any hearing-related difficulties that they encountered. Um, and some deaf adults also reported the importance to their success of social support and role models from the deaf community. Mm -hmm. So central to the transition model is the provision of transition planning that is targeted to address the specific needs and challenges of adolescents who are deaf or hard of hearing. And there are six major components to the model. Um, one is career awareness and planning. And this should include discussion of any potential deafness related challenges um, and possibly interventions to raise students' self-efficacy about their ability to overcome them. Another is meaningful work experience, uh, which is particularly important to help deaf and hard of hearing adolescents understand the world of work and to develop the, the sort of soft skills that are so important. Um, I imagine, Renee, also that work experience would help them to, to begin to identify what some of the challenges are going to be so that they can already, when they go into work, 
they're almost already equipped to have those conversations. Would that be true? Exactly. Yes, it is. And, and, and so that's why it's important for them to discuss that with someone perhaps who can work through with them the sorts of challenges that they came across and the best ways that they can um, address those in the future. Um, some students that I interviewed a long time ago for my PhD thesis had gone to a part-time job when they were in high school. And, you know, a lot of those jobs typically are um, in noisy environments like fast food outlets and so forth. And, uh, and, and some of them had just gone, oh, this is, this is too hard, you know, I can't do this. So they really need to have support perhaps to find them placements in the best places for them but also to discuss those issues so that they develop the skills and the confidence they need to um, deal with them if they do it now. Sure. Yep. Um, so with working experience too, another research project I'm involved with at the moment is a study with Dr. Jill Duncan on the role of social capital in deaf and hard of hearing students' post-school transition. Uh, and our research is identifying ways in which work experience expands the kind of social capital resources that are, that are helpful. And it can be part-time jobs or volunteering or school-based work experience. Um, but but to, to be really meaningful, it needs that opportunity to, to discuss with a knowledgeable person. Mm -hmm. And another important part of the transition model covers role models and mentors especially adults who are deaf or hard of hearing. And this is very much related to social capital as well. But particularly for young people who are not part of a deaf community and may not know any deaf adults or very few, such adults can provide them with what's been called navigational capital. Um, and that provides them with insights about navigating barriers in the hearing world, uh, as well as being examples of, of what they can achieve. So it's important that educators and families provide students who may not have those opportunities, that they seek them out and provide them those opportunities. I think it's yeah. very important. Yeah, yeah I, I completely agree. And that's one of the reasons for this, this, this focus of, for this year for the podcast was very much around lived experience of disability and talking to older deaf and hard of hearing people about their transition from school into the workforce to try and, I guess, help them to recognise that it can be done dream big and here are some strategies for navigating that because I think sometimes particularly um, we are such a low incident disabilities there aren't a lot of people to access but also you know Australia is a big place and a lot of our deaf and hard of hearing adolescents are quite isolated in their communities and so we're hoping that by having things like a podcast it might actually provide some 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 information that they wouldn't typically hear or talk about. Absolutely I mean internet based resources like that are just wonderful for the, for the students who just can't access that. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of wonderful, your transition checklist for adolescents is particularly useful. Um, but I wonder how, what do you recommend schools and teachers do to, to follow that? How should they enact that? Okay. Well, I would recommend that the teacher of the deaf or the other professional who might be working with a young person uh, familiarises themselves with the transition model section of the published paper that includes the checklist it's not, not necessarily the whole paper about all the research, but the part that explains the components of the transition model so that they really understand the, the key points and the thinking behind them. And then the checklist ideally will be used as a basis for a discussion between the student and the teacher. 
And this doesn't need to be done all at once, but uh, certain sections of the checklist could be considered together. Um, for example, self-advocacy skills. Um, does the student know when and how to disclose their hearing loss to a potential employer, perhaps, or at university, uh, and explain any accommodations they might need? Um, perhaps they need to develop a script and role play so that they feel comfortable and confident when they need to do that. Do they know about possible accommodations in post-secondary education? Do they know about their legal rights to accommodations? Um, how are they managing their hearing technology? Do they know about other technology that might help them in various settings? Or do they know how to find out about it? So some kids will be quite competent in some areas and not others. Um, and overall, the teacher can work out which areas are going well for this student and which still need to be addressed. Mm. Yeah, I think it's... Um... Even just those teachers who don't know where to begin, I think the checklist is really useful for just almost providing a script for them about how to, how to have these conversations too. And we will provide the reference in the show notes so that you can look up this article. I found it particularly engaging and useful. So thank you, as always, Renee, for the work that you do in this field. I think it's really useful and it informs our practice as teachers of the deaf. Thanks, Trudy. Thank you. And thank you so much for being with me today as well. I've enjoyed the conversation. I know it will be giving people lots of things to be thinking about, and um, particularly those people who are part of a student's social capital and, and being part of that, helping them to navigate this space. I think it's been a really useful contribution. I've really enjoyed this conversation as always. So thank you so much. Thank you.